So we've been talking about this whole topic of anger for quite some time. It's actually been uh, three weeks before we took our break, and we kind of discussed the fact that anger is actually a secondary emotion. It's not the emotion that we feel immediate. Usually what happens is there's a situation that takes place, and you feel another emotion, then out of that comes the anger. Usually it's not like you're sitting there, all of a sudden you're just like, like the Hulk. Usually what happens is you have these experiences that take place, and it kind of reminds you of something. And I explained the fact that the first few couple weeks that we were teaching, one is that we have hurts. All of us have childhood hurts. All of us have experiences that we've gone through that are kind of scarred inside of us. And a lot of times we're reminded of those things, and out of that sometimes comes anger. We all have fears. We have fears, this idea that we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Maybe something that takes place and we think it's going to threaten the fact that maybe our finances or our family or whatever, and out of that fear, anger can come. Then we know we all live in a very frustrated world. Our world is very frustrated. It seems like, you know, the more advances we make as far as technology a lot of times, even more frustration comes out of that sometimes. The fact that you can't get the computers to work or something gets froze up or, you know, are these phones that are so smart, sometimes you just like really seriously frustrates you so, so badly. So we have those things that kind of are inside of us. And a lot of times what happens though is they're hidden. It's kind of like hidden by the exterior of David Banner, mild-mannered David Banner. And really what comes out of that sometimes, those experiences, we turn into the Hulk. So anger is obviously all around us. It doesn't take much to see it. I'm sure if you guys were even probably in the last couple weeks, you've seen people that were very, very angry. And maybe you yourself were very angry about something. So all of us have to deal with it. I explained to you that it's a generational thing. And right from the very beginning of time, the very first family, we have anger where Cain kills Abel. You know, out of that anger, out of that hurt, I explained to you that there was dejection. There was something inside him that really felt dejected. And out of that anger came. So no matter who you are, whether on the outside that you look like the mild-mannered David Banner or you look like the Hulk when you get angry, we all have anger. So the problem is, I think, that we hear these stories. You know, we have this bad connotation of anger because we hear these stories. We hear about these people who really hurt innocent people out of their anger. Or, you know, you hear stories of horrible road rage that take place just because somebody cut somebody off. You know, there's, there's not much graciousness with people like go ahead. You know, it's just not like that anymore. Everyone's just so stressed out that they're ready to blow at any moment. We have people who, you know, are screaming at their boss or screaming at loved ones all the time because they're so angry all the time. You know, we have those people who walk around and they're very, very angry all the time. And then you have those people who are really kind of quiet and, you know, they're kind of off skulking in the corner and, you know, everyone's kind of like scared. You know, we're walking on eggshells because we're afraid that someone's going to blow at any moment. You know, and like David Banner says, you know, don't make me angry because you're not going to like me when I'm angry. So, you know, we all have this thing that we have to navigate through. All of us have to work through anger. All of us have to deal with dealing with angry people. It's part of living in this world. It's part of what takes place. But because of this, I think a lot of times we have a real problem with admitting that we're angry. And this is shown to you because a couple weeks ago I asked you guys, I said, how many of you guys have anger issues? And I had about four hands go up. And then I asked, how many of you guys have pet peeves? Everybody put their hand up. Why is it that we're so embarrassed or we're so ashamed to admit that we're angry, that we have anger problems? 
And I think it's because, you know what, the church has kind of really given a bad connotation of anger. I think we have kind of labeled it. I think a lot of Christians label anger as like a sinful thing to have. And we don't really understand that it's actually not such a bad thing sometimes to have anger. You know, I think Christians are really good at kind of renaming something, relabeling it. You know, Christians say, oh, I'm not angry. I'm just concerned. I'm troubled. You know, I'm just annoyed. I'm just frustrated. I just don't know what to do, you know. But they don't want to admit that the word angry is out there. So the thing is, we have to understand that it's not such a bad thing to really say that you're angry from time to time. The Bible actually tells us that anger is not the problem. It's what we do out of our anger that's the, that's the problem. That's the issue. And I explained to you in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, it says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Now, I'm not giving you carte blanche to go off and just throw fits and yell and scream, because that's not what I'm saying. But there is something to be said for the fact that it's a real true thing that we have to deal with. And we have to work through anger. So it actually is kind of an interesting thing because when I was looking about anger, I thought, okay, I have all these different things that really are kind of hidden under the surface. You know, like I said, that anger iceberg in psychology, this idea that anger is at the top and you see it and it's very visual, but then underneath the surface of the water lies those things like fear, frustration, you know, hurts. Those things are hidden. So anger is this powerful emotion. And anger, though, itself is not really a bad thing at all. It's actually a really great thing. Because what it does is it actually reveals what's in our hearts. What's there, what's living there, is actually revealed a lot of times through our anger. What we get angry about shows everyone around us what we love, what we care about. So there's two words that actually came to my mind. When I was like thinking about this message and I was praying about it and I was sitting there trying to think, what... What do I need to teach? There was two words that came to come through my mind numerous times, and that was passion and zeal. You know, we look at those two words as good things. We would say, wow, someone's really passionate, or someone's really zealous. We wouldn't say that they're a bad thing. Well, passion, by definition, is any powerful or compelling emotion or feeling, and zeal, by definition, is a fervor for a person, cause, or object. You know, I think without passion or zeal, we wouldn't have had such great examples in the Bible of people that have done great things for God. You know, the thing is, we wouldn't actually want to label them as angry, but we would love to say they were really passionate or they were very zealous for their faith. We use these other words to describe what it is, is actually a lot of times was anger. They had some anger. You know, if we look at those, those words biblically, like I said, we, we, we understand that we look at them as like a positive thing. But if you look at people like Moses... On the outward, people would look at him and say, wow, he's like an incredible hulk of a guy. I mean, he's like freaking out every time you turn around. You know, he was throwing down the Ten Commandments and he's striking the rock. And we know he killed, he killed, you know, a slave master because he was beaten up an Israelite, fellow Israelite. So we would look at him and we'd say, wow, he was really an angry person. If you look at someone like Paul in the Bible, Paul was there when Stephen was getting murdered, stoned to death. Paul was there holding the coats of all those people that were there killing him. Paul wanted to kill Christians. He hated them with a passion. Did everything he could to have them thrown into prison and murdered. He was there. He hated with passion. Hated. Anger. Had anger. But the one thing that you find throughout the Bible over and over again is those people that would be described as angry, we would also describe as passionate, 
or zealous. You know, the thing with Paul was so great, as I always say, that the reason why I love and adore Paul so much is because of the fact that I believe that God looked at Paul and thought, wow, if this guy can hate with that much passion, then he can love with as much passion. He could do just the opposite. He could turn it around and he could be just as angry for the kingdom of God as he was against the kingdom of God. So the thing is, we have to understand that a lot of times this anger thing is really not such a bad thing. Tim Keller, he's a great preacher and a church planner, and what he says is that anger is tied to your focus. Anger is an outgrowth of love. Anger rouses and rallies you to defend what you ultimately love. What he says is you get angry to, to the degree that you love something. And I thought, that is so good. Because when you really love something, your anger a lot of times comes out. See, the thing is that you don't, things that you don't love, you don't get angry about if they're threatened. If you love something a little bit, you get a little angry when something threatens them. But if you love something a lot, then you are going to get really, really angry if something that you love is threatened. So anger is actually a means of communication. It's not always such a bad thing to see that you know, people have anger. I think we kind of just look at it in the wrong terms sometimes. We don't take it like, you know, it's like fire. Fire could be used for good. It could heat your home, but it could also tear and burn it down. You know, the thing is, we have to look at what the whole issue is. What it is that you really love, you can be angry about. You know, it kind of begs the question, if we never get angry, do we even claim to love anything? If you're a person who never gets angry at all, is there any passion inside you? Is there anything in you that you're zealous about? Is there anything that you would defend to your death to take hold of? You know, there's something to be said for that. And it's almost like when you think about anger, it has to be almost like there's a little pilot light inside of our hearts. There has to be something there that's ready to just come to life. You know, if you're going to take the time every time something horrible happens and you're going to take the time to have to, well, I have to go light the pilot light and then I've got to, there should be something already kind of fanned there that you can fan into flame and you can show your anger. And I think this is what's really, honestly, if I can just be completely real with you, I think that's what's happened to America's churches. I don't think we're angry enough. I don't think we're angry enough about the things that we should be angry about. The things that we love, the things that we desire, we should be there to defend them and to care about them more. And I think because we do live in this society of thinking that anger is a bad thing, we're also afraid to step out and take a stand for the things that we love and defend it. I think that's what's wrong with America and churches today, is we don't care enough to be passionately angry about those things that we care a lot about. We see throughout the Bible that God uses and chooses to use people that have anger issues in great ways. And I believe that's one of the reasons why he uses the people that he does still today. I think a lot of times he looks at people and he says, man, if you're angry, if you have some frustrations, if you have some passion, then you could turn that passion around and you could use it for God. You could reach people for the kingdom instead of tearing people away from the kingdom. I think the weirdest way to say is like, instead of someone saying, you know, Deb, you're a little angry, you know, in our cleaned up society in church, we'd like people to say instead, well, Deb, you're just a very passionate person. Deb, you're very zealous for the kingdom. I would say, yeah, I am, but I'm also very angry for the kingdom. I'm very angry at society a lot of times. 
I'm very frustrated with the world, that the world is going crazy, and that really no respect is given to God at all anymore. So I think a lot of times if we think that anger is a sin, we could say that never being angry, I think is even more sinful. It's even more sinful, because if you don't love anything, you have to understand that you're really just a big old zero, because God is love. If you don't love, God says he's love. Then there's nothing inside you. I wish I could tell you a story that can make you mad. I can tell you on the 4th of July night when we were coming home for the fireworks, I was reading, you know, as you're driving and reading Facebook and kind of scrolling through and I see this one article. And I was so angry by the time I got home because it was about this poor dog that somebody thought it would be fun and funny to put a firecracker in his mouth and he blew off his mouth and his nose. That just, honest to God, I can tell you, passionate anger, I just want to just come unglued on that. I don't understand anybody that would hurt a harmless creature. I don't get it. I don't understand it. The things that make me passionately angry are anybody that would hurt a young child, a child, a baby. I don't understand that. To me, it just makes me passionately angry. And I think that's what God wants us to be, people. I don't think he wants us to read these stories and not feel something inside of us that boils up. I think he wants us to look at those things and think, there's something wrong with humanity. That we're that evil that we could do something like that. You know, the problem with anger is it's not that we have it. It's that we do one of two things with it. Either we respond too severely about it, or we don't respond at all. That's the problem. Both of those things are wrong. A person who has great convictions and great love is going to defend them. Your family, if somebody went to threaten your family, you would be there, hopefully, to defend them, to be out there, to fight for them, because you love them. And if you don't, then you don't love them enough. Straight up, you don't love them enough. Look at Jesus as our example. Mark 3, 1 through 6, it says, Another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Jesus was angry at the self-righteous Pharisees. They didn't understand the fact that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It was totally wrong. They're looking at it all wrong. Now, I'm going to tell you another thing that really, really angers me. What angers me is a lot of times I'll do research and you'll be online and you'll look and you'll find something and there's always somebody that has something negative to say about a pastor. Never fails. Someone's always got something horrible to say about somebody. And I think it's hilarious because if you look at a lot of these people, a lot of times that are being so negative or contradictory, most of those people I can honestly say are doing nothing for the kingdom at all. At all. I think there's a time and a place for each person. And I think that we have to be really cautious about who it is that we decide in our hearts, like the Pharisees did, who we think should be preaching the, the gospel to people. 
See, the thing is, it's not up to us to choose. It's God's choice. It's not our choice. And the thing is, when we have this idea, this self-righteous behavior, this idea of thinking like, oh, that person, they just don't speak the truth. They're probably speaking more truth than you because they're probably actually mentioning Jesus' name, which half the time you're not. That's the problem. I really get frustrated with that. I get really angry when I hear somebody sitting there talking so negative about somebody that's working really, trying to do something. You know, and there's a time and a place for everything. You know, I I tell you, I know there's a lot of preachers out there that get bad, bad press. You know, but maybe that's just the little walkway into faith that some people need. I can tell you straight up, Joel Osteen, people give Joel Osteen crap, but you know what, I can tell you something. Joel Osteen was one of the first pastors that my, my husband would listen to. My husband would listen to him because, you know what, he didn't come on so strong. Maybe Joel Osteen is just there for the kingdom just to have a door to open up to people. Maybe that's the whole point. But who are we to say that someone doesn't deserve to preach or shouldn't be what they're doing? I just think that we get off the mark. And I think what we do is we reflect the Pharisees in so many ways, but we walk around thinking, well, they're not speaking the truth. I think that's between them and God. I think God will take care of it. I don't think it's up to us to make those choices and those decisions. You know, the thing is, Jesus was angry about those people. And Jesus was angry so many, so many other times in the Bible. You know, we look at Jesus, and everybody likes to think of Jesus as walking around with the long hair and the robe, and he just walked around and being so peaceful. You read Jesus, and you realize, just like he did with these Pharisees, is like, to the guy, stretch out your hand. He's going to show him. He's going to show him what's what at that moment. Just like he does when he goes into the temple. Not once, mind you, because people are confused by that. You know, Jesus cleared the temple twice. Once at the beginning of his ministry and once at the end. Let me read it to you. John 2, 13 through 17 says, It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and the cattle, scattered the money changers' coins all over the floor, and turned over their tables. Then going to the people who sold doves, he told them, Get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered the prophecy from the scriptures. Passion for God's house will consume me. Now maybe this really kind of pushes back at your idea of who Jesus is, but you understand something? I want to reread that part. When he says, get these things out of here, he doesn't say, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. (laughs) He says, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. That's what he was saying. He was angry. He was angry. He was frustrated. He had had enough of Pharisees. He had enough of this idea of thinking that you could give so little to God after he does so much for you. Now we look at them and we're like, what in the world? You know, these people were looking for an easy way out. I blame the people more than I do the people selling. You know why? Because they were just so willing to just take whatever's there. Oh, we don't have to bring the best of the best. We're just going to travel. We don't have to take care of animals all the whole way. Let's just go there. We'll buy some tainted sheep to sacrifice for our sins. That's going to be good enough for God, right? See, Jesus was angry about all of it. He's angry about the fact that there's people that are there trying to make a quick buck off of people's sins. 
But he was also mad at the people because he's like, really, seriously, you people? You don't understand that you're supposed to give the best of the best to me? The first? The first fruits? Your best of your flock? Your best of your grain offering? These are the things that you're supposed to give me, and you're giving me so little. And he was consumed with anger. This is something I'm going to tell you, all of us need to get straight. There should be something inside of us that has a little bit of fear of God. That Jesus could get so angry, that same God still exists today and he should live in your heart. That same flicker of flame, a pilot light of anger should still be there if you claim to love Jesus Christ and he lives in you. So passion and zeal displayed in righteous anger at how God's house was being overrun, basically being turned into a marketplace. Jesus was always concerned about the glory of God. Anything that was... Just detracted people from it, resulted in anger from him. Because he defended it and he loved it. He loved his father. He loved the people. It's the same reason why pastors get angry at their people. Because like we want you to love God with passion. And sometimes you just don't see it. You know, when I think about what it is that makes me angry... There's lots of things that make me angry. And I, I really have talked about anger so much that you guys have to think that I'm just like ready to just trigger at any moment, you know? I'm really not that bad. I do have to say I'm a very passionate person, though. Um, but there are things that really do make me angry. They make me very angry. Like I said, I get angry about people who mistreat children. I get angry about people who would hurt a creature, just some innocent creature. You know, I was that parent. I can tell you, I was that parent that my kids were not allowed to just kill anything. They weren't allowed to step on ants. My kids, I'd say to them, like, why would you want to kill it? What's the point? Why? What, what is it inside of you? These are the questions I would ask my kids. What, what is it inside of you that would want to kill something like that? For what reason? Is there any reason why you would want to kill something like that? We should always love life. We shouldn't love death. You know, we were never meant to experience death. That was never the way God created us. When we see an animal dead on the road, it should make us sad. Because death was something we were never supposed to experience as Christians. It was always supposed to be life and life everlasting. I get passionately angry when someone threatens my family. You threaten my family, you're going to hear Deb blow. I've had somebody say stuff to me before about us with the church. Another thing that makes me very angry because I love my church and I love God and I love my faith. Because I love those things, man, I can get angry about those things. The problem is, you know, we would say that it's really bad to have anger that we blow up in, you know. But I would definitely say that it's just as bad to have no anger But what we need to be is what we need to have inside of us is that we have slow anger. Not blow anger, not no anger, but slow anger, like God had. That's what we're supposed to have. It says in Nahum 1.3, it says, The Lord is slow to get angry, but his power is great, and he never lets the guilty go unpunished. He displays his power in the whirlwind and the storm, the billowing clouds of the dust beneath his feet. I kind of thought about that when I was rereading, and I reread that about three times, and I thought, maybe that's what happens when we have storms. 
Isn't that kind of interesting when you read that? He says, the Lord is slow to get angry, but his power is great. He never lets the guilty go unpunished. He displays his power in the whirlwind and the storm. The billowing clouds are the dust beneath his feet. Maybe when there's storms, it's God showing a little bit of anger, a little bit of frustration. Not that he's making people pay, but maybe just the dust up of the storm is a little bit of God's anger kind of flowing through the whole world at that moment. Like I said, Timothy Keller says, not blow anger, not no anger, but slow anger. I think what we need to do as Christians, we need to have, like, be on a slow simmer. I think we need to have a slow simmer going on all the time, you know? But there's something there. Like the Hulk says, you know, my secret is I'm always angry. I'm always righteously angry. You know, I think if you're indifferent, then I don't think you love. I don't. Because I think true love always does get angry. I think angry and anger is love in motion a lot of times. Like I said, it can be used wrong. But I think a lot of times what we can see is that people are angry. A lot of times they should be more angry about the things that really upset them, the things that they want to defend. Slow anger is the key to being angry well. Not blowing your stack, not hurting an innocent person, not being cruel or disrespectful in your words, but actually just showing some frustration and anger from time to time. Not withdrawing in anger and making everyone pay around you where people are questioning what you're going to do, what you're going to say, because that is also not a good way of having anger. But it's actually sometimes showing that you have passion in the things that you say that you love. I think it's important. Like I said, the hog said it best. My secret is I'm always angry. So maybe that's not really so bad after all. I think we just need to understand that God wants us to step up and step out sometimes for him. I think this quiet thing that we've done as Christians for so long, I think that's why we've lost so much ground. I think the problem is we bicker and we show anger too much between ourselves than we do really being angry at what the world is doing out there. We fight each other more than we fight against what's really attacking us. I can tell you, I deal with anger all the time. Because as much as the fact that um, you have these pastors that believe that certain people shouldn't preach, I get it all the time that I shouldn't be preaching. I shouldn't speak. I'm a woman. I'm a woman. I shouldn't be speaking. I have that all the time. Well, I want you to know something as a congregation. I can honestly tell you truthfully before God that I have asked God personally so many times over and over again, if you don't want me to speak, I'll give it up in a minute. Because I love God so much that I would walk away in a second if that's what God would want from me. I would never want to do anything that would damage my relationship with him. I have asked so many times. So when somebody comes up to me, a couple right before I went to speak, sometimes, I want you to know, it's like, I want to sit there and say, you know what, I'm at least doing something for the kingdom is what I'm doing. So you just worry about what you're not doing, and I'll worry about what I'm doing. And that's what we'll go from. Yes. Well, you know, I think that, I always say it best is this way. 
I, I, I say it jokingly to a lot of people that have, have met me and know me, but I always say, if you know the story of Balaam and the donkey, and they use the donkey, I always say, if God can use an ass, he can use Deb Graber. <laughs> so that's my belief. I believe that God can use me, and I believe he does, and I believe he's been so gracious and kind every single time when I've wanted to walk away. You know, if somebody has said something, I'm like, I don't need this. Why am I doing this? I could go back to gardening. I love gardening. I'd have more time to garden. I could just be a housewife again. I loved being a housewife. best part of my life is being a housewife and a mom. Thinking I can go back to that. I don't have to do this again. But God's never done. He's like, no, no, you're doing this again. (laughs) You're doing this again next week. You're going to do it next month. It's going to happen. So... People a lot of times say some negative, hurtful things. And I get angry. But the problem is you don't let anger make you worse. You make it better. You think, okay, if you don't think I can do that, then I'm going to prove you wrong. (laughs) I'm going to prove you wrong. I can do better then. And God will work through it. Flaws and all, he works through it. You know, anger is not such a bad thing. We do have to get this in our mind that there's nothing wrong with showing a little bit of passion, zealousness, straight up anger sometimes. We just have to do it in the right way. Aristotle says it best. Anybody can become angry, but to be angry with the right person to the right degree degree, at the right time for the right purpose and in the right way, that's not within everyone's power but I want you to know you can do it with God's help. If you ask God to help you deal with your anger, if you help him, ask him for help to to make you more passionately angry about those things that you love. If you're a person that doesn't share or doesn't communicate your feelings, ask God to help you to be able to show that feeling, like I say. Not to be explosive and blow anger, not to just keep hiding it inside yourself and be no anger, but to be slow to anger and to do it in the right way. I think with God's help, we can definitely do that. All right, let me pray for you. Well, Lord, you are so good. And Lord, we know your example is that you were passionately angry. You were zealously angry. And you were just outright, straight up angry at those people sometimes who didn't understand God's God's kingdom, your Father's kingdom. And I just pray, Jesus, that you would help each one of us. Help us to, to really be able to mirror who you were and how you handled anger. For each one of us to really get that figured out. That we would care more about really fighting what the world says is against us as believers and quit fighting each other all the time. Lord, I just pray for each one of us that's here today, Lord, that you just pinpoint in our hearts, Lord, the things that maybe we need to change about ourselves. Maybe if we're too passionate that we scale back a tad bit. Maybe if we're not angry enough, that we would actually show some anger. And Lord, that you would help us all to be slow to anger, slow to use our words, slow to react, and just help us, Lord, to stay on that even simmer like you would want us to be. Lord, we're thankful for all that you're going to do today, all you're going to do in our lives this week. We just thank you for everything in Jesus' name. Amen.